0: Well, good morning and welcome to Fellowship Rogers. We are so glad that you are here to kick off Advent season. Would you stand with us and let's sing this familiar melody from Be Thou My Vision and sing these words of the Incarnation as we worship the High King of Heaven together. Let's sing. High King of Heaven, you stepped from your throne took on our flesh and made this world your home trembling in reverence lord we look up overcome by such a I bow at your birth, awed by
1: the mercy that brought you to earth, leaving the angels in glorious night, for the deep shadows of Bethlehem's night. Oh You looked upon me Long before Eden You knew my great need Woven through history Your rich crimson thread Your planned salvation
0: with us, our affection and devotion.
2: we find ourselves in this holiday season again and I want to wish all of you the very very best the gift has become an annual opportunity for us to give back to God during the Christmas season our fellowship family has developed a culture of generosity believing that through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to God our resources can be used to make a difference locally regionally and globally last year the people of Fellowship gave over $560,000 to the gift, which was prayerfully distributed by the elders to many worthy causes around the world. This year, we will again review the many requests made, but will also consider reducing the current debt with Fellowship Bentonville. Throughout the month of December, we are asking that you please prayerfully consider donating to the gift again. It's between you and God. We will make special envelopes available, or you can visit the giving page on our website, fellowshipnwa.org forward slash the gift. Thank you for your participation in the past and the difference you've made in the lives of so many through your generosity. Let's never forget how good God has been to us.
0: It's that time of year again for the gift. Advent season is kicking off this morning, and we have the opportunity to give back to God what he's given to us. So we encourage you uh, to join in on the gift this holiday season. And we want to welcome you, whether you've been here multiple times to this, this church, Fellowship Rogers, or if it's your first time. We, we want to welcome you here. And if it is your first time, we'd love to get to know you. There's a booth in the middle of the foyer uh, where some of our staff is there. Uh, if you just drop by after the service, we'd love to get your name and get to know you and tell you a little bit more about our church. Or you can go to the website or use the app and say, I'm new, give us some information, and we'll follow up with you. But we uh, are a church, uh, not just with small groups, but a church of small groups. And the way we make ourselves feel smaller is by getting to know one another and doing life together. So welcome to Fellowship. We are here this morning to worship, to sing, to hear the word of God. And uh, this holiday season, uh, one of the things we love to do is listen to Christmas music. And so our team here at Fellowship Rogers has released uh, some music over the past few years, uh, some songs written from scripture uh, about the Christmas story. And we want to make you aware of that so that you can get this in your ears this holiday season and remind yourself of the gospel, the incarnation, Jesus, God becoming man. And you get to see the Christmas story through the lens of Mary and Zechariah and Simeon and the angels and the shepherds. And so we encourage you to, to listen to the music and let it encourage you this holiday season. Well, we're about to sing, and so I um, encourage you just to take a moment before we stand and before we lift our voice, just to pause. Would you bow your head with me and pause, and let's just dedicate this moment to God and to his purposes, that he calls us to gather together as the body of Christ, to worship in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, we come this morning to remember, to remember the story and to see it with fresh eyes to see it anew this morning and its importance and its meaning for us that we once were hopeless lost in darkness but a great light has dawned on us and so as we sing this story would we remember the truth that we have a savior that his name is Jesus the promised Messiah so take just take a moment between you and the Lord, to devote your heart and your mind to Him. Let's prepare our hearts for worship. Would you stand with us, and let's sing this familiar Christmas carol together.
1: Hark the herald angels sing
0: 25 verse 9 says that in that day they will say surely this is our god we trusted in him he saved us this is the lord we trusted in him let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation you can go and have a seat and i just encourage you to take a moment to reflect on who god is that he's a refuge for the very present help in times of need and the promise is that this holiday season just as every other time of the year that he is near, that he is enough that he is the healer, he is the comforter he's the one that we have waited for so as we continue to sing may these words be true of us as we sing to Jesus God you are the one we have waited for we thank you for your first coming and we long for your return this is our God we sing refuge
1: for the poor shelter from the storm this is our God you wipe away turn your wasted years, this is our God, so we call, so call upon to the orphan a healer to Messiah
3: My name is Chance King, and this is my wife, Camille King, Uh, and we're here today to get to light the first candle of Advent, which celebrates the coming of Christ. And so if you're new here, uh, we're new here. This is our fourth week. It's my fourth week on staff as the Rogers FSM or student ministry staff guy. And so I just want to say welcome. Uh, As we get to celebrate this season, I hope that uh, as we've made this place our home, you can make this place your home. This morning, we get to light the first candle, which is uh, the prophecy candle of hope and so as I light the candle my wife will read some scripture and then I'll pray for us this morning Psalm 33 20
4: through 22 our soul waits for the Lord he is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name let your steadfast love O Lord be upon us even as we hope in you
3: Lord thank you uh, that we get to gather here today now we get to remember uh, your word and we get to put our hope in you as we look towards the coming of Christ. Father, I pray that you stir in our hearts uh, as we remember uh, the days of old, Lord, when they uh, had to hope truly that you were coming, the Messiah and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, as we get to look backward and remember that, uh, let us hearts be glad. Uh, Let us look uh, expectantly and hoping uh, for Jesus. Let us remind our hearts of this this morning. In your name, amen.
5: Well, thank you, Chance and Camille. Today, we begin our celebration of Advent. This morning, we initiate our march towards Christmas. We begin to narrow our focus, bringing concentration on the birth of the Savior at Bethlehem. Today, we begin our study of the incarnation, where God took on flesh, came to this earth to seek and to save those who were lost. And what began in the cradle would ultimately culminate at the cross. Advent is simply a season of remembering. It's a season of longing for the coming of Christ. So it's a season of, of anticipation, a time of expectation, a time of waiting. Just as the Israelites waited in eager expectation for the promised messiah and savior we wait in eagerness to celebrate christmas to celebrate the birth of jesus as we also long for his second coming his second advent and physical bodily return to this earth as lord and we've got a lot going on in our advent season let me remind you of a few things today parents We have our family Advent service. It's going on right now in the family center for the 930 service, but we also have one at 11 o'clock if you would like to stay and take your kids through that. It will set you up at home for family Advent. Also, we have family Advent devotionals that will be delivered to your inbox every day beginning today through Christmas. And if you have subscribed to those in the past, then you are already in. In fact, you should have received one this morning. Did anybody receive Advent devotions this morning? Wasn't that good? It was good. Great way to start your day. If you would like to subscribe, all of this information is available at fellowshiprogers.org forward slash Christmas. You can subscribe there. Also, Christmas Eve is a big deal around here. We're going to have five services on the Rogers campus and one in Bentonville. The Bentonville is kind of a Navy SEAL service, you guys are going to be outside at Orchard Park. And so bring a jacket and a blanket for your blanket. Um, but you guys will be up there. Rogers and Springdale will be here. Family Advent at 3, 4, and, or family Christmas Eve at 3, 4, and 5. And the traditional services are at 7 and 8. We'll stream the 5 o'clock family and the 7 o'clock traditional. And sign-ups for RSVPs are live on the website now. Here's my hope. My hope is that Jesus will draw us all near to him during this season. In our teaching time, we're going to be studying the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke over the next four weeks plus our Christmas Eve service. And my hope is that if you've been struggling in your faith, maybe this is one of your first Sundays back in a long time. Or if you feel far from God, That over the next few weeks, you would draw near. If you feel like you are intimate with him, that that faith would deepen this season. In fact, I think it's worthy of us stopping right now and praying for Advent. Would you join me? Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming to earth on a rescue mission to save sinners like us. We thank you that you humbled yourself and took on flesh lived a perfect life and died on the cross and were resurrected on our behalf. I pray over the next few weeks as we read devotions and sing the carols and read the Christmas story that you would draw our hearts nearer to yours. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, today we begin in the Gospel of Luke chapter one. Open your Bibles there. We'll begin in verse 26. And as you do, would you stand Uh, For the reading of the word, let's read our passage
4: together this morning. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Thank
5: you, Evan. You may have a seat. This passage is known as the Annunciation. It's the announcement to Mary that she would bear a son and become the mother of Jesus. It was communicated to her by an angel. It was clarified through a conversation, and it was confirmed with a miraculous sign. This is a rich 12-verse narrative. It contains 10 different names. Two miraculous pregnancies, three fulfilled prophecies, and it is both Trinitarian and supernatural in its nature. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all mentioned in the passage, as well as there being angels and miracles, signs and wonders. And it's also very human. There are specific times and places. There's a betrothed couple and a fearful and confused young woman. Uh, And then a woman finally pregnant after years of infertility. There are questions and answers, and in the end, resolve. The primary characters in the story are the angel Gabriel, Mary, and Jesus, the child to come whose name means God is salvation. The story really follows the character of Gabriel, the angel. Gabriel only appears four times in the scriptures. He appears two times in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 8, and Daniel chapter 9, and he appears two times in the gospel of Luke. Once earlier in Luke chapter 1 to Zechariah and here to Mary. It's interesting. In each of Gabriel's visits, he does the same three things. He predicts the future. He clarifies confusion because all three recipients, Daniel, Zechariah, and Mary were confused. And he talks about the Messiah who was to come. Basically, when Gabriel shows up in the Scriptures, the subject matter is the coming of the Savior, Jesus. Now, to unpack the story of the Annunciation, you simply follow Gabriel. Here's how it outlines really simply. We've got Gabriel's arrival and Gabriel's departure. These two verses bookend the story. In between, you have Gabriel's announcement, you have uh, Gabriel's greeting, Gabriel's announcement, and then Gabriel's explanation. So let's dig into the story of the Annunciation. Look at Luke chapter 1 verse 26. The story begins with the arrival of the angel. It says, God, Gabriel, Mary, Joseph, King David is mentioned, and also Elizabeth. She's Mary's relative and the mother of John the Baptist. Her story is told earlier in Luke chapter 1. She was a woman who struggled her whole life with infertility and now was well advanced in age. Therefore, her pregnancy is a miracle. The angel was sent to bring a message. In fact, that's what that word angelos means. It's simply messenger to a young girl named Mary. She was engaged or betrothed to a man named Joseph who was in the line of David. The location of the Annunciation was Nazareth in Galilee. This was an insignificant little town located in a rural and inconsequential area of Israel. In fact, if you go to Israel today, you can go to Nazareth, but what is there is not much because there wasn't much there anyway. The angel's greeting communicated two encouraging things to Mary. She was highly favored and the presence of the Lord was with her. Mary was overwhelmed by the presence and the message of the angel. She definitely did not expect this message and felt unworthy to receive it. The story is combining two elements that don't seem to match. We have this angelic being communicating a divine message of God's favor and presence, but it's to an insignificant person from an insignificant town. Incredibly important news was about to be proclaimed, but the recipient and the setting seemed really unremarkable. In fact, Bible commentator and theologian Kent Hughes said this about this event. As we probe this beautiful text of the Annunciation, we cannot miss this inescapable fact that the greatest news ever proclaimed in Israel came to the humblest of its people. Well, let's continue to follow Gabriel in the story. We have both the arrival and the greeting. Next is the message. Look at verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel Gabriel instructs Mary, do not be afraid. Fear is the routine response when humans encounter angels in the Bible. Over and over again, when humans encounter angels, the Bible records them being afraid, and the angel instructing them to not be afraid. It seems that in the presence of heavenly messengers, there's an overwhelming sense of reverence and awe, which produces holy fear. Perhaps it's just a taste of what it might be like to be in the very presence of God. Well, the angel reminds Mary to that this is a positive encounter. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found God's favor. The message began with a simple but significant news. Mary, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. Mary, you soon will be expecting you will become pregnant. Now let me stop right here. Ladies, is this a significant moment? She just got the right stripe on the stick. I will never forget any Of the moments where Amy told me that we were expecting. Those moments freeze time. Why? Well, because life will never be the same. Uh, Trajectories are altered. Plans are rearranged. Life will forever be different. Life is coming into the world. So for Mary, this was weighty and significant news by itself. But now add to this. Mary was a virgin. So to become pregnant was both impossible and scandalous. I can't imagine how she must have felt. Surely she was shocked and scared and confused. Her head must have been spinning, her mind racing out of control. And and add to that the surprising news that her conception would go to a whole nother level that this child was the promised Messiah, the promised Davidic king, the one promised and prophesied in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So the son of Mary and Joseph would be the son of King David. And in the line of kings, he would reign on the throne forever and he would be the son of God. This was huge news. It was the fulfillment of both promise and prophecy. This is what every Israelite longed for the coming Messiah, the eternal King, the long awaited, much anticipated, and hoped for Savior. Look at Mary's reaction in verse 34. She responded with confusion. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. First, note that Mary is not surprised that the Messiah is coming. For an Israelite, she had hoped for and anticipated the coming king. No, she was surprised that she would conceive as a virgin and certainly surprised that she would be the mother of the Messiah. How will this be, she asked. Well, the conception would not be a result of human effort, but of divine enablement. It would be an immaculate conception. The miraculous birth would be the work of the Holy Spirit. It would be a result of the power of God. The birth of the divine would be a work of the divine. And the Messiah would come to the earth with an accompanying sign it would be a virgin birth. The prophet Isaiah wrote of this birth 700 years before Mary had this encounter with the angel Gabriel. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 reads like this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, the incarnation, God becoming man. The virgin birth is taught in this passage, Luke chapter 1. It's also taught in Matthew chapter 1. This miraculous birth is a sign pointing to Jesus as the one sent by God to save our souls. And it's considered an essential part of our Christian doctrine. So let's think about the virgin birth for a time. Why is it so important? Here are some thoughts. The virgin birth is essential to our Christology. Christology is that branch of systematic theology concerning Christ and Jesus. Our Christology teaches that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. Without the virgin birth, without the work of the Holy Spirit at conception, we would have no divine union between divinity and humanity. And because the incarnation occurred at conception, there was never a moment that Jesus was not Fully divine. Even in the womb, he was God. The sinless nature of Jesus came through his being of divine nature and through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was not just a good prophet or teacher, he was God made flesh. And the virgin birth and the miraculous conception are essential to this understanding. The virgin birth is also essential for our understanding of our salvation. Salvation is a supernatural work of God. We are born of the Spirit, not through human effort. And the birth of the Savior evidences that the whole of salvation is a work of God, from cradle to the cross. God has been empowering a rescue plan for mankind. You cannot save yourself, it is a work of God. And the same God that enabled the divine conception is the same God who lived a sinless life, who bore the weight of sin on the cross and was raised from the dead. The virgin birth is also an essential sign for our faith, our orthodoxy, our belief. When God does something big, he wants to get our attention. When he wants something to be remembered, then he gives a sign. He displays his awesome power in a supernatural and miraculous way. Here, with the coming of the Messiah into the world, he marked it with an impossible, outlandish sign, a baby born of a virgin. And it was so outlandish, even Mary herself struggled to receive the news from the angel. So the angel gave her a sign as well. Back to the story. Mary's asking a question. How will this be? since I am a virgin. Skip down to verses 36 and 37. The angel said, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Mary struggled to accept the news. So Gabriel evidenced that God was able He offered proof that the unimaginable was possible. He said, even Elizabeth is going to have a child. And that would have sparked in Mary's mind. Okay, Elizabeth, that's my elderly relative who's been infertile infertile her whole life. And he said, Elizabeth's in her sixth month. Trust God in this, Mary. He has power to do the impossible And what he speaks or wills, because the angel had just told Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, that she would be with child. What the Lord wills comes to be. No word of the Lord will fail. And Mary, you're receiving a word from the Lord. So in sharing Elizabeth's story, the angel is encouraging Mary that her story is possible. And that's the purpose of biblical signs and miracles. Seeing the unbelievable helps us to believe. Observing the moving of the sovereign hand of God builds our faith. If Elizabeth could become pregnant in her advanced age and with her infertile womb by the help and the power of God, then perhaps Mary could become pregnant by the help and the power of God. So really, there are two signs or miracles in the story. One is for Mary. The other is for us. Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy was offered as proof for Mary that God is able to accomplish the unthinkable. The virgin birth is a sign to you. That Jesus is not just a good guy or a well-thought-of teacher or prophet. He's the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And I think out of the story, this accurate principle emerges that the unbelievable actually cultivates in us true belief. Witnessing the supernatural hand of God helps us believe that God is real and that He is able. Seeing what God see God do what can't be done builds faith in us. Seeing His power affirms in us that He is who He says He is, and He's able to deliver on what He promises. So have you ever struggled believing in God? Have you ever had a season of doubt in your life? Drifted from faith and began to treat this whole story as a myth or a fable or just a cultural warm story. Maybe you're even a skeptic. Well, what would have to happen to convince you that Jesus is real and that he's a savior and that you need him in your life? What if I told you that God came to earth as a man? The theological term is incarnation. John 1:14. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. And what if I told you that he was born of a virgin and that virgin birth was predicted 700 years Earlier by the prophet Isaiah. The son of God. The second member of the Trinity. Became the son of Mary. And what if I told you. He walked on water. What if I told you. That he healed the sick. That he cast out demons. That the wind and the waves obeyed him. That he turned water to wine. That he actually raised people. From the dead. How many signs and wonders. Would it take to convince you that he was no ordinary man. There are so many evidences, so many proofs, so many unimaginable, unbelievable events. What if I told you that he conquered death, that he rose from the grave? You see, I think that the unbelievable, it it cultivates in us true belief and faith. Miracles and signs, they provide evidence that bolster our faith. And all signs point to him being the Savior, from the first day in the womb until the empty tomb. The evidence is overwhelming. There are so many attributes and events that you can't help but to believe that he is who he says he is and he's able to deliver on what he promised. So here's my hope today as we begin Advent, that the virgin birth, that line that we sing in the carols, wouldn't just be a verse and a song. That the virgin birth, that line that we recite in our creeds, that line that we put in our statement of belief, our doctrinal statement, that it wouldn't just be distant words, but it would be evidence to affirm our faith. You may not know my story, but I grew up very far from God. Our family was a infrequent visitor of a local church, but we didn't have a Bible in our house. And the Hannon boys weren't known as followers of Jesus. And my senior year, I started dating a young lady who went to the local Baptist church. And uh, my freshman year, I came home for Christmas and, and we, I went to visit her family and they invited me to come to their Christmas Eve service. And so out of politeness and Southern etiquette, I agreed. Plus, I thought we might have some good food after. And so I went. A doubter, a skeptic, and not interested. And I remember we sang, Oh, Holy Night. They turned out all the lights and lit the candles. And I started to get goosebumps on my arms. And I actually thought in my mind, I think these people actually believe this happened. I didn't come to faith that night. But on a scale of one to 10, with zero being distant from God and 10 being fully a member of the faith, I moved from a three to a four in that moment. And that's my prayer for you this morning. That as you look at this story, you don't see the virgin birth as a line in a fable, but evidence worthy of belief. In fact, I think it's worthy of personal prayer even right now. Would you bow your heads with me? And I just want to give you a moment as we head into Advent to pray to Jesus, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe you've been far from God for a long time. Or you've broken your spiritual rhythms during COVID and you're just coming back. Or maybe you're firm in your faith. Wherever you're at, take a moment right now to talk to Jesus and affirm your belief. If you don't know him and you want to come to know him, then repent of your sin and confess your belief in him right now. Spend some time in prayer with the master. Lord Jesus, as we begin our journey towards Christmas, I pray that you would manifest yourself to us in a new and real way. And I pray as we hear the story that you would build our faith. And Lord, we ask that if we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us. Lord, I pray for those in the room who are doubters and skeptics. I pray for those who've walked away from you that as they hear the familiar songs and read the scriptures this month, that you would bring them home. Oh, Lord, we love you and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Back to the story. After receiving an explanation for her concern and a sign for her faith, the story ends by recording Mary's response and Gabriel's departure. Look at Mary's response. It's found in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Apparently, Mary accepted the angel's explanation. She moved from confusion to surrender. She went from questioning the plans of God to being a willing participant. Mary came to a point where she believed that the Lord was able to do what he proclaimed, and so she surrendered to his will for her life. It didn't mean that it wouldn't be difficult or that she would be free from adversity, but she came to a point where she was at rest in his providential plans. We actually see a progression in the story for Mary. She moved from fear to confusion, ultimately to faith and then surrender. What began as shocking news became her accepted path where she was able to actually say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in my life. What courage, what selfless abandonment because we know the road ahead would not be easy. She would face scrutiny and rumor and rejection. She would have to navigate an abnormal parenthood. She would watch her son be celebrated and rejected, worshiped and mocked. And that young girl that received this news in Nazareth would become the mother at the foot of the cross. Yet she said, I am the Lord's servant. Could you do the same? Could you say to the Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, however you want me to serve, I'm in. May we walk in the faith and the courage of Mary. Would you stand with me as we affirm our faith through song?
0: Claim that in this place, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So may this be a season of remembrance for us all, a season of devotion and adoration. God, that as you are calling us back to you, to our first love, God, would you teach us to trust and to walk by your spirit and trust in obedience, trusting that you are good and that you are good thank you for this Advent season. We pray that you'd bless it for our families. We look forward to all that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. If you'd like prayer, our prayer room is open, and we'd love to pray with you and for you. Would you go in peace this Advent season?